0: Welcome to The Millionaire's Lawyer, where you'll hear leading professionals share expert advice
1: on how to grow your business and sell it for maximum profitability. If you wanna learn lawyer-proven strategies for building and exiting your business, then this is the podcast
0: for you. Your host, J.P. McAvoy, is a business lawyer, college professor, and best-selling author who has been assisting clients start, grow, and sell their businesses
1: for millions of dollars for over 15 years, Will yours be the next? Now here's your host, J.P. McAvoy.
0: Hello, and thank you for joining us here today on The Millionaire's Lure. Happy to have you with us. And on today's show, we've got Garrett Tate, who is an AI futurist, uh, investor and AI strategy consultant. A great conversation that we have. We're at the intersection of AI, blockchain, IQ, and EQ, for that matter. Here's my conversation with Garrett Tate. Garrett, thanks so much for joining us here today. Happy to have you here. Reporting in from Cebu, right Uh, we were just talking offline. That's the second largest city in the the Philippines. Is that right? Yes, sir. The second largest city in the Philippines, which is well, how what size is that? We know Manila is a huge city. What's what's the size of Cebu?
1: Depending on how you measure the metropolitan area, it's it's definitely more than a million folks. I think I think it's
0: below five million though. It's it's around that that number. Okay, so a range, uh, and uh, I mean originally stateside. I think you wrote, you were saying the Seattle area. Yep, grew up actually in Woodby Island rainy times there and i assume there's a nice rainy season in the philippines as well right (laughs) i describe the area i grew up
1: as a hundred miles from where they should film twilight and twilight set there because vampires can chill there because it's literally never sunny it's always raining all the time so so that that forms a picture yeah there's there's a dry season and a rainy season here in the philippines but uh
0: right now it's been good weather so far that's good stuff okay and uh you've been there i think roughly 10 years or so like how long uh, how long you been over over that side of the world
1: yeah the long story short i I moved out here when i was 18 years old we started a family business with my brother and with my my father a publishing company and that's still still running that business still doing quite well but i've been here yeah about about 10 years
0: now 10 years and watching it evolve and watching business evolve as well, right? I think that's going to inform part of our conversation here today, most specifically the way you're delving into AI, looking at AI. And obviously we're doing a lot of thinking on, on that end of things as well. What are you seeing from there? What's your, you know, sort of from a thousand mile view, what do things look like from your perspective these days? You're speaking of the broader industry,
1: not not so much uh, Philippines in particular, right?
0: Yes, AI just is it's the you know the topic du jour, and uh, I think it's here to stay. So yeah, if we're talking of that and what the future holds for AI, what are we talking of?
1: So when we're talking about AI, I think that the way it needs to be conceptualized is is with historic examples. So the way that I talk to my clients about this is that what's going on with AI right now is. Similar to the advent of electricity at the turn of the 1900s, so when electricity was first broadly proliferated through society, we started being able to add it to just about anything to add greater work. In other words, it, it was a way of like democratizing or or making work slash power slash force significantly cheaper. So you could convert. A hammer to a jackhammer you can convert a, a saw to a power saw so on and so forth and now we're doing the same thing but we're doing it with intelligence so now pretty much any part of our lives in which there's a natural pattern of intelligence we can now add these ais into which has both utopic and dystopic potentialities i think we're going to be probably right down the middle but that is really the way to to conceptualize what we're going through i think that you know, every every technology goes through a hype cycle. I think that most business owners, especially in the area of tech, remember not too long ago, just going through the, the hype cycle of blockchain and how things kind of rose and fall. I think we're in a different situation with AI, seeing these big players, the Googles and Microsofts going all in, because I think that they are rightfully seeing this technology, uh, while it will go through uh, more booms and busts, like it's not going to be at this level of hype forever. It is really here to stay and it's making real impact in people's real lives like today. So it's, it's here to stay for sure.
0: And uh, it's interesting you equate it to, just to take, turn a corner here, to blockchain. How are you seeing it applied to blockchain? You're not suggesting blockchain has is, is somehow not going to be used on a go forward, are you? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. Actually, uh, I was just on another
1: podcast where we were talking a lot about the problems that AI posit, how it's going to decrease the marginal cost of things like spam and things that are really degrading to our civilization how it's going to decrease the cost of doing that even more than it is already. And I think that the solutions to that actually, funnily enough, are, are a lot of blockchain technologies. And so I think that, that it's a really good timing that both technologies are kind of um, hitting the maturity levels they are at the time that they are, because I think that they're, at least in some parts of our civilization, like living in a post-truth world, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, it's quite handy to have a more mature technology with blockchain. So I think it has a lot of applications in the future. I'm talking more about like the hype cycle and all the investments that we going into it on, on things that maybe they shouldn't have.
0: It's interesting that you just said post truth, another whole podcast into itself. Whole podcast, like, yes. <laughs> yeah, whole podcast there as well. But I want to just take uh, another moment on blockchain. Which platforms and networks? Do you think it's Bitcoin? Do you think it's Ethereum? Where will things be built? Funnily enough, my view on this has been pretty Bitcoin maximalist, not so much in
1: philosophy. I think that. When it comes to Bitcoin maximalists, there is definitely a logarithmic curve where if you are, you know, just a few steps over the right, you get pretty insane pretty fast. But I would say in broad strokes, there's a lot of wisdom to it. I believe in what Balaji Shrivenson says when he says that Bitcoin maximalism is the probably the most underground philosophy that's going to change the world. Or I'm misquoting him, but it's it's something to that effect where mm-hmm, it's a, mm-hmm. a little bit underneath people's radar, but it's really having you know going to have big ripple effects. And so I would put myself a
0: bit in that camp, while not not nearly as zealous as, as others. As certain people can be. Uh, describing, though, how that is, you know, the underlying shift, uh, if we can call it that, but the underlying way that perhaps we'll be doing things as a consequence. Can you speak to what that possibly looks like? Talking
1: about AI and blockchain together, or just
0: talking about AI? Yeah, let's start with the first, with blockchain and AI together, and then we'll move to just AI generally. Well, I think, I think blockchain adds a really important
1: piece of the puzzle when it comes to ai which is ai's ability to emulate reality so the phrase that i think unlocks this is that neural nets are to biology what math is to physics so you can describe and simulate physics with mathematics and you can also describe and simulate biology with ai because they're using similar darwinian mechanics and so because of that, all of a sudden, a lot of things before were quite biological, quite baked into reality that were hard to fake are now much easier to well to simulate, which, which is another, a fancy way of saying to fake or to lie about. And so I think that the blockchain technology provides a pretty strong backdrop where it is impossible to fake, at least on a code level. And so I think what's going to emerge is that individual actors will not be able to hide their reputations and will be able to track actors more more effectively across platforms and therefore be able to better tell the good actors from the bad without them being able to to fake their their identification. So I think that has a lot of uh benefits in the society we're we're heading into. I think that this might be the reason why Sam Altman is starting WorldCoin, which I believe it's not something I've looked into. It's not something I wouldn't I can say I endorse because I I don't know enough about it. But I think it's actually a coin doing exactly what we're talking about, where it's it's putting your identity on the blockchain.
0: Yeah, that's interesting you say that. Uh, Again, don't know a great deal about it. But from what you're saying, yes, WorldCoin is one such attempt to have verifiable individuals or players, right? So that we can go back and see, are they a good actor or a bad actor? But certainly everything that they're doing can be traced. And that's, you know, again, we can talk another whole podcast on that as well, right? well, the practicalities of that and whether it's something that's desirable or not. But that's certainly, yes, one thing that WorldCoin is attempting to do, Sam Altman and uh, the group working with that. And I think others as well. So it's going to be interesting to see as this evolves, as you say, as this matures, as as we begin to see this the new way of doing things because the technology is empowering us to do just that. And I, I like your analogy to electricity with the use of AI. The shifts sort of more generally when we're talking of how it's going to evolve in other areas. Can you give Some thoughts or some some predictions there. So again, we just talked, you know, how it will intersect with with blockchain and some of the uh, advantages. I think, uh, as you identified, of doing that. How else generally will AI be used, and how will it empower other areas? So in addition to blockchain, again, I I know I'm asking for very broad predictions here, but that's part (laughs) of what we're doing here, right? We're trying to predict what things are going to look like in the future.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, August 2023. We'll we'll see we'll see how it all plays out. Let's plant some flags. So I think that. One conversation that a lot of people are thinking about is job security and how this will impact different different industries. And so there's a few nuances I want to throw into that conversation. One thing that I think is lacking from that conversation in many regards is the fact that um, not only will new jobs be created we we have no idea what these new jobs are even going to be like and that kind of feels like where the conversation stalls out for me when I hear even very intelligent people having to re- reduce themselves to sound bites that, that's where it, it goes jobs will be eliminated but new jobs will be created some factors that I think also get added into this beyond that that stalemate is that a lot of jobs will we will find that demand increases with the supply there's a lot of things that civilization produces where we would love 10 times more of it if we could. So I like one fantastic example is developers. Hiring developers as a tech company is extremely hard. That's why my company specializes in, in hiring developers as, as our core skill set, because it is quite challenging. And so if now developers became 10 times more effective and or it became 10 times easier to train a developer using these tools, or some mixture of the the two, we would love to have 100 times more code, we would just love that. So the supply demand curve is constrained currently more on the supply side. And there is historic, a lot of historical examples of this. My favorite is the ATM machine. When bank tellers, you know, were doing their job pre ATM, 80% of their time was spent, you know, pushing numbers, and when the atm came out you would quite reasonably think well we need only 20% of the bank tellers because by golly like 80% of their time just went away but the bank teller profession we actually wanted to hire more bank tellers after the atm and the reason is is that the banks could open up 10 times more stores or you know five times more stores however you do the math and that they actually realized you know they wanted you know more people not less and so i think there's going to be a lot of industries where people are surprised that it actually grows in its employment metrics rather than, than decrease. I believe that developers will increase. I believe that customer support jobs will probably decrease. We probably don't need 10 times more customer support than we're already getting. I, I'm talking about like like IT customer support and things. I don't know about artists. And that's one thing I'm, I'm not as sure about. If, if we get 10 times more art or 100 times more art, will we value artists as much? But I think that it's not going to be just a matter of like, an ai took my job it's much more about the actors using the technology become 10 times or 100 times more productive and so all of a sudden it's like do we need 10 times more artists to produce the same amount that becomes a lot more of the conversation
0: yeah and as you, you see that conversation well it relates as well to to developers right those developers become ostensibly 10 times more powerful right are they writing 10% as the code that is that the code the order of magnitude that much greater do we need fewer people Actually, there's a fun metric on that is it? I believe I might not get these
1: metrics exactly right. But if I remember correctly, the co-pilot program, which GitHub has, has released for paid for developers paying for it, helps them write code with AI. And I believe that 50% of all code in the last few months has been written by the 10% of developers using it. So the developers have become... You know, depending on how you want, you know, do the math. Of course, there's already an eighty twenty curve in there, but you know, have become five times more productive. You know, by on some back of napkin math. So it really is on that that level, and it's already playing out.
0: Yeah, we're already seeing it. Has anyone done any analysis if the code is is much better? Do we have that insight? I'm absolutely sure it has. I don't
1: think that I don't have a numbered quote at you. I believe that the code is is similar quality, but I don't have uh, some specific metrics that I can I can throw at you to, to back that up.
0: I've heard people describing that uh, it empowers sort of a more junior developer to become, you know, much more skilled. I think that would make some sense. And so, you know, these these really elite developers are finding that the gap between them and perhaps the next level of developer has been diminished as a consequence. Would you agree with that statement?
1: I don't think
0: I would.
1: I think there's there's a really interesting nuance. This, this actually segues in the second nuance I want to throw in, which is that unlike before with the advent of electricity where different actors could be could be amplified so like in the factory you know, assembly line revolution you didn't need to know how to assemble an entire car in order to benefit from the factories you know producing 100 times more cars you wouldn't necessarily benefit from that but in a lot of these technologies in fact the people who are the best at their jobs are in many ways able to do that still the the hard part of the job, which is to articulate what they're looking for. the, the best experts in the fields are knowing what they're looking for and then if they can articulate it well then they create the best output. So the art that an artist can create or a professional photographer can create with mid-journey is better than anything I'm going to get except out of dumb luck. And so I think that there is going to be still a competitive advantage of the experts in the fields already. But this idea, because I've also heard of this, of the the people benefiting the most are junior folks, like they're catching up the most. I've heard of this. I haven't found any metrics by which I would fully buy it, but it's really interesting. So I I think there's going to be kind of a a back and forth on that for a while longer.
0: Yeah, I think think you're quite right that way. And it makes it very clear that it's important to become skilled at uh, the use of these AIs. I think that's the one thing that uh, anybody with, you know an ounce of intelligence is going to realize, okay, I've got to learn how to use this. I've got to learn how to be up on this. So how do we do that? What are some of the ways that you mentioned, uh, you know, GitHub and Copilot. What are some of the ways that, uh, you know, someone listening here may say, okay, I need to make sure I keep up. What are some of the things I should be looking at?
1: Yeah, I think, I think a big chapter for a lot of people is realizing that you're not going to be replaced by AI, you're going to be replaced by someone else who is 10 times more productive and then they're going to replace you using these tools. And we've we've been here in the past. Of you know, there was a time when you know desk you know white collar work was done without computers. And then companies invested tens of millions of dollars to buy everyone computers. And hey, you had to learn that new skill, sink or swim. So we we've truly been here before. I have different advice for business owners compared to let's call them like like freelancers and or desk workers if. Should I dive into more of the freelancer side or desk worker side or, or business owner?
0: Let's go for the business owner. Yeah, I think what are some of the things the business owner needs to think of?
1: Perfect. And I'll qualify this is a lot of the clients I work with in this are small to medium business owners. Mm-hmm. So typically under 100 employees. The first thing to do is similar with any digital transformation is to educate yourself and to, to lead by example. And um, I won't talk too much about that. This here because I think that people can grasp this relatively quickly. Listening
0: to this podcast as an example, right? This is as people (laughs) listen and they they're learning, right? This is all it's happening right now. It's happening in real time. So keep up, right? If you're interested in keeping up, you have to do some of the work.
1: Yes. And I think what a lot of people get stuck in is the novelty points of not using it as much systematically in their workflow. And the only way you're going to be using it systematically in your workflow, or I shouldn't say the only way, but the most likely way is really scheduling in focus time. I can't tell you how many people I've, I've spoken with who like, oh yeah, and, you know, they hear I'm an AI expert or they know I'm an AI expert. It's like, yeah, I really got to like schedule that Friday afternoon. And like, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've heard that, you know, that, that old Friday afternoon that's still yet to be scheduled to really carve out, you know, let's say three hours to dive into this material. And when you're diving in, I recommend that people do get their hands dirty, but they also look at examples. It, is it, I think, Everyone will have their own mixture of learning here, but for most folks, I think there's there should be like a 50-50 balance. Study what other people are doing, find examples you like to copy, and then 50% just get your hands dirty and, and see what you can create. In that time, I would also recommend to go beyond ChatGPT. So first of all, if you're using the paid version, there are great plugins out there that you can be experimenting with. And I also recommend that people check out something called the Playground. The Playground, if you go to... a I believe it's OpenAI forward slash platform, but but you can find if you were typing up ChatGPT Playground, you'll get into the user interface that shows the backend of these tools, basically how the API works. And the reason why that is so cool is if you spend a little bit of time learning that, you can then with no code platforms like Zapier or make.com, you can then create automations with these technologies which can get really crazy very fast, because all of a sudden, if you get your inputs and outputs right, you can add on AI directly into your business systems without humans having to be a bottleneck in those processes. Another thing I recommend people do is they check out various Chrome extensions. Um, you got to be careful with yes. these because there can definitely be a lot of scams or else things that can, that can steal your data. But I still recommend that people at least expand their purview beyond just ChatGPT, because there, there are a lot of, of interesting tools out there that are running off of it, but can help you out. Once you have dived into it yourself as a business owner, and you're leading by example, it becomes a matter of finding out where in your business to then add it in. Typically, most people or most business owners, I believe, will find the lowest hanging fruit to be in one of five areas, which are prospecting and sales. And this is where they might want to be adding in AI automations or AI tools in how they're dealing with prospects and how they're moving people through their funnel, mm-hmm. maybe customized templates. There's a lot of applications there. The second area after sales and marketing is to be onboarding clients. Third is in customer support. So you can be thinking of these three as like in that that funnel. With the fourth and fifth ways to add AI being adding employee training or employee manuals as AI and then number five is data transformation, which is typically data entry. But if you need to transform data or enrich data, those are five areas that, that you, can, you can add it in. If you don't know where to get started, I recommend all business owners to create a diagram of their business and to track their... You should be obviously tracking your numbers very effectively and just see where in your business flow, in your workflows, do more errors occur than you would like them to occur. But also, which areas have clean inputs and outputs? Because I think of all problems as inputs and outputs problems. The problem, of course, is that sometimes the inputs are unclear. You know I'm sure you as a lawyer, sometimes the advice you're giving is far more than just read this contract. You, you have to understand the context of speaking with a client. So it can be very, very challenging to to hand these over to machines. But if there's an area where, where the inputs and outputs are clear, then AI can really be added in quite effectively. So those are the methodologies I give to people and, and coach people through when they're thinking about how to add AI into their business.
0: Yeah, that's really that's really helpful. And it's a good way to think it. I mean, that's good advice for just thinking of your business in general, right? To look at road mapping and then employing AI among other solutions to uh, the ways of improving the flow. You mentioned chat GPT and the tools there. What if you know from a mobile perspective, people are doing things on their mobile devices? What tools are you seeing that are being used effectively there? To be honest, most of my my interactions
1: with these these applications is through the desktop. I've, I've always kind of been resistant to doing too many things on my phone. I think it's a little bit of a rebellion against social media. Not too many examples jump to mind, to be honest. That's a great question, though, but it's, it's hard for me to differentiate them. I haven't given much thought to that
0: taxonomy. Yeah, interesting. And, yeah, and fair enough, right? I can appreciate you're probably more productive. Uh, I just see people trying to use their mobile devices as well. And I'm contemplating ways or the most effective ways they can, because it's an extension. You know, if you're, if you're with your device at all times, then making sure that you're also able to leverage the the power of the technology at all times. So uh, I think it's another way, right? It's another way that it will come. We spoke generally for the business owners, what the business owners can be doing. And you mentioned as well, tools for the individual, right? So the freelancer, what are some specifics for the freelancers?
1: For the freelancers, I would say it's simpler, or I should better say it's, it's more focused on carving out that specialized time to be mastering these tools for for yourself. And depending on your work, there's always new tools that are coming out there. Um, actually, I think just in a few months ago, OpenAI in the non-paid version has just released, I believe they call them custom instructions, but I think it's better thought of as, as AI personas. So even the free version now, you can add custom instructions. And so one thing, actually just this week, I've had my team create a shared database of all of the custom, well, we call them personas, but all the personas that we might want to, to use AI with. So from copywriting to social media marketing, to content creation, to, um, Actually, not just copywriting, but specifically outreach, copywriting, and then inbound handling. So all of these are different personas that have different requirements and trainings. And then that creates a shared knowledge base our company can leverage. Um, I recommend people to be diving into tools like that and be seeing where they can add value to their, either their clients or their organization.
0: Same way to make sure we're you know leading edge here, understanding how things are working, right? And that shared knowledge will only amplify what individuals are doing as they learn or they continue to learn with the technology here. You mentioned your team. How has your team been assembled? Is it mostly in the uh, in the Philippines or are you working right across or right around the world?
1: We work with people remotely from around the world, but most of our team operations are based here in, in, in the Philippines. And we try to hire as much as we can directly here in Cebu uh, with a local community as well. But it's uh, there's different rings to it.
0: The world is just getting smaller and smaller. Isn't it? I mean, as we have this chat here and we talk of AI, it's fascinating to watch it as it continues to, to develop. How do you think it will impact your own business and the growth of your own business in the future?
1: I personally have been... I think I'm in a little bit, little bit of a unique place because I've, I've been obsessed with AI for about... At least professionally for about six years. The reason why I wanted to start a software company and, and have have uh, have built this branch of our business has been actually it was a quote from the founder of Valve he said that coding was nothing more than teaching the dumbest thing in the world how to be smart so a computer is the dumbest thing that exists because it's literally just ones and zeros so a one is i exist a zero is i don't exist and and then you add logic gates and other things so you, you, it's more complicated than that but on a fundamental level it is the dumbest thing you can imagine it's just binary and if you can bootstrap intelligence from that i don't think there's anything in town that could be more exciting than that and so the the spear tip of that or the top of that that iceberg is definitely this game of ai and so very much so i'm i'm all in and have been in a while for a while and to see in the last about 11 months now it really really blowing up is tremendous
0: it's tremendous right it's here i think it's now well it's now achieved that critical mass we all realize right so You've been out for six years. You've been a bit early to the party, which is great, obviously, that you have been able to get there. But I think everyone else is now arriving, right? And they're saying, yeah, there's there's really something to this. If someone's interested in learning more or chatting with you further, what's the best way to get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, the best way to get in touch with me is just to find me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can search Garrick Tate and then just connect with me there. Uh, say that uh, you saw me on the Millionaires podcast and I'll, I'll be sure to uh, connect. And if you need help with IT consulting or with adding AI into your business, definitely reach out to me. You can also check out my website or my company's website, Valhalla.team. Team. company specializes in hiring teams of developers and also product managers and designers and pretty much anything you need to assemble a development team. And that's uh,
0: that's where you can find us. Eric, that's great stuff. And thanks for joining us here today. I really appreciate having you on the show. i like to end the episodes with a, a conversation of what things are going to look like. In a couple of years' time, right? So as we mentioned, you know, 2023, if we're, you know, talking 2025, what's happened in the next couple of years? If we revisit the show in two years' time, what's happened? What are important things to focus on right now to be where you want to be in 2025?
1: Place where I want to be, and this is more focused on on the subjective, not the, the big civilizational questions? Yes. All right. I think that in 2025, the major milestones I'll be wanting to hit are... I suspect writing writing a book and probably just doing a few more podcasts like this excellent one. I think it's a, a really good path that I'm on. And so I I really feel like I'm in this for the long haul. And it's going to be doing a bit of a similar thing for the next probably, probably seven years. Just doing it with more and more interesting business partners and more and more
0: interesting uh, adventures. But yeah, I think this is is what it's all in for. That's great, Garrick. And it's interesting, you you know, I cite two years, you say seven, because for some reason, I think 2030 is going to be a big year. There's so many things that people are driving towards for 2030, it seems. And uh, clearly, you're pegging that as a date for you as well. When you talk of writing this book, I imagine you can employ AI to do that as well, aren't you?
1: I think it could definitely be useful for it. I think that there is something interesting, though, about how the human brain triggers and gives reciprocity around attention you know when ai was novel every youtube channel out there made their one video like this video is written by ai right because it was novel still it was still interesting enough that you, you would want to pay attention now if if you learn something was made by ai you're far less forgiving to it because it's wasting your time and it didn't waste the creator's time so if it did not waste the creator's time but now it's wasting your time like there's no reciprocity and, and you get quite upset quite fast, or at least I can speak for myself. And so I think that um, while AI is is and can be a tool, ultimately you have to take a lot of responsibility for making sure the output is delivering the actual value that you want to deliver. So I, I won't say that I'm not plan- thinking about using it, but I think even a higher level of responsibility, if you do use it to make sure you're, you're not wasting people's time.
0: That's just it, right? We seem to... At least at this point, we value it less if we understand it's been produced by AI, right? I mean, a response on ChatGPT, I mean, take it for what it is, right? It's been something that's been generated in a matter of seconds. And there's certainly, there's certainly what do I call that thinking? Uh, there's certainly an output, yeah, but it doesn't have the benefit of the human life energy inputted, right? And uh, I certainly know from talking to others, I mean, we need to obviously use the human Input as well to among other things check for hallucinations or make sure that what's been what's been generated is actually accurate. But then there's also like a quantitative or qualitative aspect to it as well. As an aside, how do we know or what tools can we be using right now to determine whether or not something has been simply generated by AI?
1: Yeah, that's that's a great question. So that's really revelatory in that question, is is coming back to that quote we had said before about. Math is to physics as AI is to biology. And so there are certain in biology, we do find certain arms races where evolution you know, takes things in a, in a very strange direction because two species were competing with each other and you get, you get these weird feedback loops. I think that we're going to find similar areas where the, I'll say it, the game or the board is complex enough where there's never going to become an equilibrium where there will constantly be a back and forth of creating AIs that detect other AIs. And then those AIs are then used to then train those AIs, to get better at faking, and there's going to become these weird arm races. I do, funnily enough, uh, OpenAI has quietly rescinded their, I don't know what you want to call it, pledge or, or, or intention to create an AI detector for text. Because I think anybody who's looking at this on a first principles level like has to know that's doomed because text is... A simple enough board game that it will hit an equilibrium state, and that equilibrium state is not going to be in favor of the detector because the detector can be fed into the faker. So the faker is going to win that that war. Will video go down a similar path? You'd think intrinsically, probably yes. But I think I think it's going to be harder than a lot of people think for similar reason why blue collar work is so hard to replace because reality is is more complex than we give it credit for, and video. Theoretically, is capturing a slice of that. So, I think it's a really interesting question, and, and one that's going to differ from field to field. But that—that's the first principles approach that I, I urge people to to think about with that that question when they're wrestling with it.
0: Great, great answer to a, a great question, and uh, you mentioned reality as well. Again, subject for another whole other podcast, uh, Garrick. We really appreciate having you on here today. Again, anyone listening interested in exploring these subject matters further, please do reach out to Garrick. We'll have all his contacts and everything in the uh, show notes as well. And I look forward to the next chance we get to uh, collaborate, whether it be next week, 2025 or 2030. (laughs) Thanks again, Garrick. Uh, We'll see you next time on The Millionaire's Lawyer. Thank you, JP. Thanks for
1: listening to The Millionaire's Lawyer. Please subscribe and rate on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. To get your business millionaire assessed and to access the wide variety of resources that we offer in addition to this podcast, go to jpmacavoy.com. That's J-P-M-C-A-V-O-Y dot